My journey has been one of returning from the darkness and stepping out into the light once more. I'm Chance Lunsford. I'm also Logos and Trivial. While you're sitting trying to figure that out, this is my podcast. Allegedly. Logos and Trivial podcast. I'm Chance Lunsford. I'm also Logos and Trivial. Maybe you're also Logos and Trivial. While you're trying to figure that out, maybe you're sipping some coffee, maybe you're sipping some whiskey. Maybe you're chugging some water. I don't know. But today I have with me, me old pal, the man, the myth, the beard. It's Jeff Putnam. Jeff is a dude I've known for, I don't know, close to a couple of years now, I guess. A little and, over. Uh, hmm. I met him on Twitter. And uh, he really started exploding in popularity. Uh based kind of on his no holds barred, no punches pulled communication style and in tandem with his uh, men's grooming company, Rugged Legacy Grooming Company, he he started putting out things that people wanted. He started tweeting out words that people needed to hear. And we talked before on my podcast. I was recently on his and now he's back on mine. And uh, with that very vague and sparse introduction jeff welcome back why don't you remind the people who you are and what you do well appreciate you having me on brother um as far as me just a normal guy with a whole lot of kids you know i've got (laughs) nine eight boys one girl that one girl is second to the youngest so she is a uh an emotional terrorist you know trying to navigate those waters might have to call in you know, some air support, but no, uh, married to the same woman. All my kids are with my wife, uh, spent the majority of my life doing physical labor and blue collar jobs. Got sick of it, uh, about a year and a half ago and started my own men's grooming supply company, uh, making, uh, beard bombs, pomade, solid colognes, mustache waxes, uh, started the company with only 12 products in my kitchen. And then 10 months later, I had a manufacturer, a warehouse, uh, a 3PL company under contract, and I have up to a little over 40 products now and customers worldwide. Been a hell of a journey. And as of four days ago, I was permanently laid off from my nine to five that I've been keeping in tandem with, uh, you know, my, my company and my other little side hustles between you know, affiliate and email marketing, things like that, just for extra scratch. And so now uh, I'm less than a week into my full-time entrepreneur adventure. So it's been fun so far. Yeah, man. Um, that's a lot of the reason that I brought you back on is just because it's been fun for me to watch you go through this process and, I'm a big supporter of people who decide that they're going to try to make something for themselves by themselves and watching you come into a market that was on the one hand, you could say that uh, the personal grooming market is super saturated, but on the other end, something tailored specifically to masculine men who's, you know, you're not asking men to be uh, like a prissy bitch or smell uh, like, laundry detergent it's kind of like this is this is for men who are interested in having a beard who are interested in uh you know not being a bitch and and that's something that's very 
the fact that you have found success in that realm, I think people probably ought to pay attention to. And I'll just kind of kick it over to you with this, which is the idea that uh, even though there is such a concerted effort to minimize or demonize traditionally masculine men, uh, you came into a market right in the middle of uh, things really heating up against men and said, nah, I'm, I'm a man. I'm glad to be a man. I'm going to be as manly as I can stand to be. And I'm going to market to guys who are like that, who are like me in that way. And you can kick as much shit up into my face as you want, but that's just what I'm going to do. And I guess I wonder um, sort of what, what cued you into the idea that maybe this is the realm you wanted to jump into and, and how do you feel like um, as you've watched this company grow, how do you feel like uh, this sort of resurgence of men saying, I'm not going to let you push me over. Uh, where do you, where do you see the marketplace factoring into that idea? Well, I'll, I'll impact that a little bit. The first is the, the idea of the saturated market. There's no such thing. I mean, if you think about it, how many different brands of bottled water, of bottled water or coffee or toilet paper, you know, a market that's saturated is just a proven market. And I ran the numbers once and on a single tin of rugged legacy beer bomb, I make about $4, maybe four and a half dollars in profit. And a friend of mine and I, we, we ran all the numbers uh, at, you know, just the general statistics of men with beards, uh, men who would buy into that market. And I only need, and this is only selling just beard ball. I would only need 0.00017% of the market sharing, you know, selling only beard bomb to make a million dollars a year. <laughs> and so the saturated markets, you know, it's all horse shit. Um, a lot of people don't get into anything because they go, well, you know, everybody else is doing it. Well, yeah, everybody else is doing it because it works. You know, all you need is your spin on it. Uh, you know, a hook uh, and create a culture behind that. But saying, you know, culture leads me into the next part with, yeah, I jumped right in right when uh, uh, Gillette was doing their whole uh, don't be toxic and, you know, toxic masculinity. <laughs> and you know, I, I don't believe any, in any of that horse shit for a second because there's a difference between being masculine and being toxic. There's a difference between being feminine and being toxic. I mean, toxicity comes from a lack of masculinity or a lack of femininity. It's not uh, the presence of it because the presence of either of those things eliminate the toxicity and combat against it. You know, mascul masculinity and femininity are each the antithesis of toxicity. And a lot of people felt that way, but, you know, with... And this is before cancel culture got big and you had to apologize because, you know, you said only women could get pregnant or have periods and, you know, shit like that. But they were still kind of on the fence and nervous about being able to voice that. And my mentor, and he didn't think he realized he was my mentor until I told him, uh, was Ryan Mickler. And he had started the Order of Man, you know, uh, 
provide, protect, preside, the three P's of masculinity and manhood uh, and becoming a patriarch of your family. And I've always, you know, I followed him on his Facebook group for four years. I think I joined his Facebook group um, maybe six months into after he founded the Order of Man. But it, it just hit kind of home, you know, and you started to see some of the things where, yeah, a lot of it was blown out of proportion, but then it started to get a little more and more clear that there was a specific agenda to uh, emasculate men and make them feel ashamed for pursuing strength and pursuing uh, virtue or being strong and leading their family and taking charge and becoming self-reliant and self-independent and working hard and earning their keep. A lot of people felt that way. And when I wanted to start my own company, uh, I did it out of a necessity for myself. I was making things that I wanted to use because like you said, I couldn't find something that didn't smell like laundry soap or, you know, like a little bitch. And (laughs) someone had given me the idea uh, that I should try to sell it because they liked the way it smelled. But it was important to me when I started that I stayed on point to a message. Uh, and Gillette made it really easy for me when they started uh, their stupid, you know, woke shit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, like, there's going to be a return on this. There's going to be, you know, the snapback of the pendulum. And so. I jumped on that because I vehemently disagreed with the way that uh, uh, what, what was the what was a parent company P and G uh, had uh, portrayed uh, men and masculine men as seeing as how you know any type of masculine behavior, whether it be competitiveness, whether it be violence, or uh, just anything like that, as toxic and something to be shunned and ashamed of. Uh, and so I wanted to be able to voice that, and I wanted other men who were out there feeling that same kind of thing um, to be able to see that they weren't alone in feeling that. And I think that uh, the hunger for something like that is why Rugged Legacy took off the way it did. Hmm. You know, we're sort of talking under the auspices of discussing your company and your life, but uh, it's very salient to the to the world around us right now. And as you were talking, I was thinking about how it really hasn't been that long since people started getting quote unquote canceled uh, in in large numbers. You know, you might have had something like Jordan Peterson or Milo or these people a couple few years ago, but you had to rise to a certain level of notoriety or um, opposition to the woke movement to uh, have them actually seek you out and try to get you. But then suddenly, after they found that there were really no repercussions to them other than the people they already didn't like getting mad about it, uh, this whole kind of thing is really taken off and really become uh, problematic for people in a lot of realms that might otherwise have been out of touch with this whole social media thing. You know, when I started MySpace back in the day, None of my employers would have had any idea what that even was, much less go on there to check for my political affiliations to make sure that I was acceptable to work for them. But now, 
and and I I would be mind boggled over the years when I would learn or some you know do you have a Facebook because we check Facebooks to make sure that uh, you know you're not being a poor representative of our company. It's like, well, no, I don't have a Facebook. And even if I did, what has my time out of this office got to do with, or what has my time away from this yard got to do with anything that I do here? Do I show up and do the job? Then what's the problem? And so when I look at the idea that somebody wants to uh, remove somebody from their job and interfere with their personal life and demonize their reputation and, try essentially to destroy every aspect of a person's life based upon whether or not they agree who you should vote for or whether or not they agree on a single issue being discussed in society, which not for nothing, uh, most of the major ideas being discussed have been fed to you on purpose because there's already this sort of situation that's been built around it, marketing and television and all kinds, the whole industry built around the opposition to two ideas and manipulating both sides, but be that neither here nor there, the idea that because one side disagrees with the other, you want to cripple somebody's capability to live a happy, productive life is just so backwards. And I guess I wonder, because it seems to me that there's a rapid increase in the amplitude of the vibrations of dis unity between these two groups and i uh, i guess i'm curious uh, sort of where your crystal ball tells you this uh, this cultural divide is heading towards well you know as far as the uh <clears throat> situation with employers and everybody wanting to dig into social media and all that one piece of advice i can give everybody is if you do have social media uh, on any platform, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Snapchat, Parler, do not list your employer's name uh, in your bio. Like, don't don't make you know make sure that there's no photos of you on your profile that show you wearing a work shirt with your name on it and the company logo and things like that, because that. From a legal perspective, companies can fire you, fire you if you have something on there that uh, misrepresent or represents them in what they deem a negative or against narrative uh, light. But <clears throat> we had that issue uh, at my nine to five. Uh, people were screenshotting people's Facebook posts. Now I don't have a Facebook outside of a company Facebook, but I have Twitter, and people were screenshotting things and they were taking them to HR. And HR came out with uh, a new policy saying that uh, every single one of your social media posts must be on message with uh, our corporate policy. And I pushed back against that hard. I told them, I said, you know, there's nothing on any of my social media platforms uh, that can connect me to you in any way. You know, people would ask me what I did for a living. And I told them I was in automotive manufacturing. And, and, and if people know where I live, they know the, uh, you know, I'm in upstate South Carolina and they know there's only one major automotive manufacturer here, but I didn't work directly for them. I worked for one of the 300 suppliers. And so, I mean, there's really no way for them to isolate and say, well, this company here has uh, this guy working for them and he 
feels that men should lead their families and that's not woke, that's oppressive, that's mis you know misogynistic or chauvinist or whatever. And I told him, I said, there's nothing that you can do or say to me or any way to enforce because there's no way to prove that I work for you from a social media platform. <laughs> and they didn't like it, but they had to accept it. Um, but as far as where I see it going, I, and, and you're right, it, it hasn't been that long and you had to have some kind of an online clout or something to be canceled, you know, like the Jordan Petersons or Milo or, or Donald Trump or whoever the hell. You had to be somebody of some significance. But now you see people who work for, you know, what the fuck ever retailer and then they have uh, in their bio, I work for, you know, Walmart, Target or, you know, Jersey Mike's sub company or whatever the hell it is and they post you know a political opinion and the next thing you know because it was in a public forum people get mad and then they contact the employer and they're canceled and people are just going nuts for individuals now trying to you know force everybody who has a differing opinion uh, into silence out of fear because nobody wants to lose their job not everybody has a side hustle and some people are just just trying to feed their kids and, you know, pay the bills and live their life. And they have an opinion that they want to voice, <clears throat> but now you have this subgroup of, you know, fuck nuggets that think, well, I can enforce what you can and can't say. And if you don't comply, then I'm going to cost you your livelihood. <clears throat> Excuse me. But with, uh, the way it's going, it's going to continue in the exact same manner until someone goes, fuck you. You know, I've had the mob come after me hundreds of times. <clears throat> and I say, okay. And they couldn't cancel me and they couldn't get me fired from my uh, nine to five because I didn't have anything of where I worked in there. Uh, nobody at my nine to five. I didn't get around to my nine to five and say, Hey, follow me on Twitter. Or look at this. I, I don't give a shit about none of these people. You know, I didn't need them to follow me uh, or try to boost my following. I didn't tell any of them about it. And when people ask me if I had social media that were my colleagues, no, I don't. Even though all my social media was either under my company name or my real name, uh, no one went looking for me because in small blue collar circles, majoritively people don't have things like Twitter. They'll have Instagram and they'll have Snapchat and they'll have Facebook. And so, and most people search for at names anyway, if they do have Twitter. And so they're not going to find me. I mean, they could Google me and see every fucking tweet I've ever had, but <laughs> you know, until someone goes, fuck you because they've insulated themselves against being canceled it's going to continue because it's just like a bully. You know, if you don't punch the bully in the goddamn mouth, he's going to keep taking your lunch money. But if you punch him in the mouth, he stops because it's never happened to him before. Yeah. It's very bizarre uh, on the one hand, although it makes a lot of sense on the other, but you know, you, you, you begin to look at the people who represent these ideas for a moment. And it doesn't take a very deep analysis before you go, wait, 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 wait. There's so many contradictions here. How are you, how are you living like this? 
Because on the one hand, you say, well, I don't want people to be oppressed or, or subjugated to a dominant ideology. Oh, that's interesting because um, aren't you trying to create an ideology that's so dominant that anybody who even dares to think outside of the ideas represented in that ideology needs to be removed from society? That's very interesting. It's like, well, you know, we really care about um, X minority or X oppressed people. It's like, oh, that's that's very interesting because your advocacy, so-called advocacy, is creating a lot more animosity surrounding the issues that you're talking about than ever existed before uh, because you're stirring it up in a way that's bound to make people contentious. So that's interesting. Well, you know, we really want people to be um, prosperous and, and maximize their opportunities and maximize their wealth. Well, that's interesting because all the people who are actually doing that already, what you're trying to do is to hold them down and to impinge their rights and to steal from them and to distribute the profits from your theft to the people who are least likely to actually build a life for themselves. That's very interesting. And, and, you know, I could go on and on and on with this. And I, I think being that today is independence day, it's, uh, it's so laughable really to, to think about the idea of liberty in the current context of the social discourse. And you said, you know, most people in small blue collar circles don't have things like Twitter. Well, most people in general don't have Twitter. Uh, that's something that I have found time and again, you know, people will say, well, how do you get your guests for your podcast? Well, I, I find them on social media, usually Twitter. I don't even have a Facebook. They're like, wait, you use Twitter? Yeah, because I have thoughts and I like to share them. And it's cool because you can find people who are like, yeah, that's a good thought. And you can find people say, well, your thought's almost there, but I've been thinking about this a lot longer than you. And here's a refined point. What do you think about that? Oh, it's pretty good. Thanks, man. <laughs> so I guess where I'm trying to drive this at is just, I've been thinking a lot about this lately and at the root of all of this sort of opposition to speech and to masculinity and to femininity and to these different aspects of our culture that are sort of artistic expressions of our biology in a way, when you begin to really think about that, sexually dimorphic creatures, you know, we're not, we're not unisex these kinds of things, they're the nature of our reality. It's the nature of reality. That's how things work. I have that tweet I keep retweeting every week or so. It's just that society is a biological construct. You got it backwards, man. The reason our culture is the way it is is because of our biology, because of who we are. It's not the other way around. And every time you try to rearrange that to meet your ideals or whatever, everything falls apart and everybody dies. And when you realize that, you go, oh, okay, well, what's at the heart of all of this is you hate your life and life in general because you're a vindictive, vengeful asshole. That's what's at the heart of all of this, isn't it? No. Yeah, it is, man. I can tell. Look at you. You're not well. You're not psychologically well. You're not physically well. You have no sense of class. You got no sense of style. You got no sense of honor or self-respect. And it shows because of the way that you're treating the world around you. Cool tent, bro. Nice torn jeans. You really are standing for something now. Uh, but, you know, 
when you move out of your early 20s and you realize life's worth living and you have a kid, suddenly abortion doesn't seem like that good of an idea. Suddenly not having a good job or anything to feel respect for within yourself doesn't seem like that good of an idea. And it's not everybody else's fault. It's yours because you waste all that time blaming everybody for your problems, but you go on and keep hating life. Go ahead and do that because there's a pretty definite answer to people who hate their own lives. Those lives end, whether it's through bad health, whether it's through suicide, whether it's through just being miserable and miserly and hanging out inside of a place with nobody in it, being lonely. That's the same as ending your life, except you're sticking around embracing the misery. And I guess I rambled on there because I kind of got carried away. So maybe you can just jump in with uh, whatever thoughts <coughs> are popping up for you. Yeah, man. Um, it, it's weird. You know, you were saying you know, people want, you know, we want people to feel safe. We want people to feel uh, secure and have good self-esteem and all this, that, and the other. You'll, you know what? I've said it before. Self-esteem is worthless in comparison to self-respect. <laughs> That's right. Like, I, I don't give a shit if I feel good about myself. Can I respect myself? You know, I remember back when I was just getting out of homelessness, you know, and I finally had a house uh, and a roof I could put over my wife and children's head. And one of the things we needed was a washing machine. And so I'm looking on Craigslist and looking on Facebook Marketplace. And I found a, a, a guy on Craigslist who was giving away a washing machine. All right. And it was going to be for a local family in need. And I absolutely hate charity. I hate it. It, it, it saps at my pride. It saps at my soul, but I have to suck it up because my family needs to be able to wash clothes and it's costing me money that I don't have to drive back and forth to a laundromat. And so I messaged the guy and yeah, I was like, okay, cool. Where do you live? And I told him, and I lived, you know, five minutes away from where he was. And the guy was like, okay, well, you can come and pick it up. And when I went to go pick it up, the guy was like toying with me. And he was like, I don't know who you are. I've never messaged you. And he was just like dogging me. Like he was getting his jollies off of treating me like I was some piece of shit. Uh, because I needed a free washing machine. And this washing machine was like, it looked like it was from like 1981. All right. Uh, and, he, and I had to sit there and eat it, you know, and at the end of it, I got a washing machine, but I felt hollow afterwards because I ate so much shit for it. And there was a decision that I made in that moment. It was just like, no one's ever going to fucking talk to me that way again. I I don't fucking care. I will steal a fucking Maytag from Lowe's in my pocket if I fucking have to, but no one is ever going to talk to me that way again because I felt <laughs> like I didn't have any self-respect because I didn't stand up to him and I didn't stand up to him because I needed something. And that's where we're at now. There's these people who are out there who are more worried about their self-esteem because they lack something. They lack, uh, whether it be income, a livelihood, uh, stability, friends, purpose, whatever it is, they eat so much shit and they self-deprecate so much because 
they figure if they lower themselves and it's more of an internal decision, they figure if they lower themselves, someone, even though they're dogging them, will take pity on them and throw them a bone or a few bucks here. And it's scary to, or it can be scary to say, you know what? Fuck you. I don't need this washing machine. And you really do and say, I'm going to get on my fucking own because fuck you. You're not going to talk to me this way. I'm not going to stand for this shit. And there's a lot of people out there that they can't come to that, that point because they don't feel confident in their ability to go out and make it happen on their own, which is the reason, just like my reason that I was seeking something free. And it's, it, it's because they've done nothing worthwhile. They've done nothing to gain a sense of accomplishment. They've, they haven't overcome a challenge. You know, they had their metal tested and they balked and they said, well, that's it. I'm done. And so now people are starting to realize this. This other group of people are starting to realize it. Uh, and I'll use Antifa, for example. Um, you know, they say we want people to feel this way and think this way. And we our, our name stands for anti-fascism. And it's genius marketing because if you're against anti-fascism, you must be a fascist. Yeah, they employ fascist, you know, fascist tactics of threats of violence and uh, costing someone their livelihood or, you know, burning down their business because someone doesn't think or feel or believe the way they do. And so it's hypocrisy at its finest. And then back to that bully thing, if you don't punch them in the mouth and say, fuck you, try me, they're going to continue. And there's so many people out there that going right back to the washing machine scenario that don't feel like they can withstand the storm that could come their way if they say, fuck you. And so they're just emboldened by it. Uh, and then intersectionality has become the new religion uh, in all of it. You know, people think because I'm a straight white male, uh, I lift weights. I rely on myself for all of my income. You know, it's a, uh, feast or famine and it's all on my you know it's all on me if my fa my family doesn't eat it's because of me uh, i believe people should work their asses off to get what they get and you're not you're not going to get what you think you deserve you're going to get what you earn and but people think because of that you know and i'm you know i'm not i'm not a conservative because i think conservatives are dipshits and i think liberals are dipshits and i think libertarians are dipshits He's libertarian. Leftist is everything is tolerated. Uh, libertarian is, you know, the as long as it doesn't affect me, I don't care. And then the conservatives are, we're not going to let anybody fix any problems that we fucked up. And so I'm, I'm none of that. You know, because if you don't, you know, like a libertarian, if it doesn't affect you, it's not your problem. Bullshit, because it's going to eventually graduate to something that does affect you. But you know, back to the point, it's if I, people think that because I'm all these things that I have to fit into this neat little box. Well, then obviously you don't believe in gay marriage. That's, that's funny because my 15 year old son, I'm, I'm hoping he finds a good husband one day because he's gay, you know, or will you hate illegal immigrants or you hate people who are not white? My kids aren't white. You know, uh, my wife uh, is Hispanic and she's not really fond of illegal immigrants seeing as how, uh, she's had relatives who've had to do it the right way. And 
being an illegal immigrant spits on them. You know, my family were, were immigrants and we had to do it the right way. Um, but that doesn't matter because no, 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 that's not, none of that is true because you're this, so this is the box you fit in. And no one understands nuance anymore. It's, it's black and white. It's this or that. If I liked anything that president Obama said, which there were plenty of things that I liked that he said, Oh, you must be a, 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 a liberal, you know, lunatic. No, not really. I also like what Trump said over here. Also, you're a Nazi. You, you can't fucking win with the mentality, you know, against arguing with someone with that kind of a, uh, a zero sum mentality because it's like arguing or, you know, it's like playing chess with a pigeon. Even if you win, they're still going to shit on the board and strut around like they won. And so that's why you just have to be who and what the fuck you are. Because if you don't, all the people on the extreme left or the extreme right or even the extreme middle are going to fucking eat you alive. You know, I came to a lot of the points of this thinking very early. Our mutual friend, Roman, I guess people know his name now, but I'll just call him Roman. He, uh, he did a pretty he good job. Roman. I'm sure. <laughs> he did a pretty good job of explaining people like me. You know, as a kid, I had a winning personality because I knew um, I was probably more clever than the people I was talking to and also quite a bit stranger than they were. And so I was going to be the nice guy and win them over. Um, but even then it was from recognition. Well, I'm kind of different than these people. Um, I'm, I'm looking at them from the outside. And as I went through school and things, you know, I just kind of, I stayed on the outside. I had, I had good friends and I was able to socialize and everything, but I just, I always felt like I was kind of looking at these people from outside of the thing that they were inside. And it was, they could see that too. And people are vicious. And, and this is what I'm getting at is I learned pretty early on that people will mob up and then they'll sort of look for the, the one that's on the outside. And a lot of times the one who's on the outside is the weak one. But sometimes it's people like me who are mountain lions and just are trying to be left alone. But there's plenty of claw and teeth over here. And you, you sort of learn the difference between who is who. You know, I wasn't the smelly kid. I was just the kid holding myself in reserve because you're dumb and I don't like you. Um, or, or even just I don't, even if I like you and you're cool and everything, I just don't connect to you on anything that you're interested in. We don't share similar interests. I'm over here learning about stuff and you're over there, you know, playing tag or whatever. It's like, all right. <laughs> That's cool, man. You're the, you're the king of tag. I can appreciate that, but uh, I have my own thing. And, and because of that sort of outsiderness, um, I got to see firsthand a lot of this stuff just as a kid or as a young adult where people would mob up or click up over just whatever issue. They just were looking for acceptance from other people and they would create these little tribes. And, you know, most people in school or whatever, have a bunch of tribes. They have their main clique, but then it's like, well, we're the, you know, we're the people who do gymnastics or we're the people who uh, play 
football or chess or whatever. And, and then, you know, so you might have your grown up friends and then your football friends and then your chess friends or whatever. But now there's just basically, like you said there, there's kind of two tribes and then people are just like, whatever, man, I'm good. And there's very little nuance. There's very little color. I, I, I tweeted a while back after I had said this to my sister-in-law after she asked me for some advice, but I said, uh, it's only black and white after you've used up all the color in your life. And I, I think that's one of the things that people are failing to recognize about this situation, or maybe they're starting to wake up to the realization is that with this uh, sort of us or them mentality, this, this arbitrary collection of ideas, that have been fed to you over here or this arbitrary collection of ideas that have been fed to you over here. You're either on one side or the other and anything that goes outside of those collection of ideas, you can't have those. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, you, you have your little collection of ideas. And if you step outside the line, your own people will try to eat your lunch and people like me, people like you, we listen and look at the world and we go, well, that's a good idea. It doesn't matter whose mouth it came out of. I mean, it does some because maybe I just don't like this person or they represent so many of the ideas that I'm in opposition to that it becomes harder for me to listen. But if it gets through to me and I say, that's a good idea, great. Let's work together on that. Um, you know, hey, maybe I like some of this personal sovereignty stuff from the libertarians over here. Maybe I like some of this idea that we should have some compassion and some concern for our fellow man over here from the uh, Democrats and maybe over here on the Republican side, it's like, well, it's not a bad idea that we should probably be moving cautiously when we're trying to shift long-standing hundreds or thousands of years cultural norms and maybe do a little bit of analysis on why these things are in place in reality. Um, but but you know, over here with the libertarians, I really don't like that you're such pussies and that you never stand for anything. And over here with the Democrats, like, well, you say you care about people, but you're trying to steal and you're trying to subjugate. So that doesn't seem great. And over here with the Republicans, it's like, well, um, there's a difference between being cautious and being a bitch. And I, I don't see a whole lot of you really standing up for anything besides the same two ideas that you've been trying to um, and failing to stick up for these past 20 years. So I don't really like that either. Um, plus, you want to put people in jail for smoking weed? That's uh, cool. That's awesome. And, and over here at the Democrats, you want to put people in jail for uh, what they say? Oh, cool. And over here at the Libertarians, you're still just, you, you just don't want to stand for anything. Just want to freedom. But what does that mean? What does that mean? Because what are the eventual ramifications? I mean, there's a lot of stuff to go into it. So I guess, how do you figure that we um, move through this? duopoly of ideology in the United States. Uh, do you figure uh, there's some sort of peaceful revolution or do you figure it's just going to have to come down to um, some sort of shattering kinetic situation before we can move past this momentum? Well, I'll, I'll take a, uh, a direct quote out of uh, Roman, uh, Roman McClay's sanction because and it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, it's towards the end of Sanction Book One, where uh, he's talking about uh, the Halliburton trucks going in and out of the old patch. And they call it the Big Red Army, and they would come flying down those 
packed down concrete roads or gravel roads. Uh, and the one place you didn't want to be was in the middle of the road when they came in. Uh, and it said, you know, the middle of the road is no place for a man. That's the, that's the quote. The middle of the road is no place for a man. And think about it. The only thing that's in the middle of the road is roadkill. You know, people who are hard middlers are afraid of choosing a side because if they choose a side, that means they're now responsible for the pros and the cons that come with it, no matter which side they choose. But you know, thinking about what you said with nature being a, or with society being a biological construct, think about it. There's a chick flick that I, I had seen with my wife called Failure to Launch. And what you were saying made me think of it. Uh, it's got that, uh, uh, all right, all right, uh, McConaughey, that guy. It's got him in it. And I guess he's like a 40-year-old man who hasn't moved out of his parents' house. And he's just bouncing from woman to woman. And he's going out. And he's like re refusing to find a woman and settle down and get married. And he's always going out on these excursions like kayaking and mountain climbing and all this other. But everywhere he's going, he, he's like getting attacked by birds, attacked by fish, lizards. Just like nature is rejecting him. You know, Bradley Cooper was in it. His character, he's like this hippie kind of free love dude. And he's like, nature is rejecting you, man. You know, you're, you're living outside of what nature expects of you. And you're going against the grain too much. Uh, and that's why, you know, you're not, you're out of harmony with nature. And I don't think we're going to see people start, you know, improving uh, just their lives in general, you know, general just contentment and peace, and whatever you want to fucking call it, until they stop trying to push against what they are. You know, I can try all day to be a fucking giraffe, but I'm not a fucking giraffe. And I'm never going to live happily as a fucking giraffe, you know? And they try so hard to be hyper woke and say that I'm tolerant of all this, which is ridiculous because you shouldn't be tolerant of some things. Some things you shouldn't tolerate. Some things are intolerable, but you can't say that because you're supposed to be live and love and let live and love and all that other horse shit. When really sometimes you have to draw a line in the sand and smack a motherfucker in the mouth and say, nah, uh, that ain't happening. But for me, being the leader of my family and being independent and being, you know, uh, what Jack Donovan describes in, uh, a more complete beast as the noble man and noble doesn't mean good or night. Uh, it just means is what he is. And the ignoble man is the one who tries to be something he's not and tries little tactics like transvaluation to change the meaning of something to be bad. You know? So if I say I'm, you know, or like I'm a white guy, all that means is I'm a white guy, but through transvaluation of agenda driven narrative, uh, well, white means racist and white means oppressive and white means that. And so they change it. Oh, oh you're strong. Well, you're just trying to pick on weak people. It's, they've changed anything positive, any positive virtues. And they've even bastardized virtue. Um, virtue is now anything that makes you feel good. You know, but like Jack Donovan says in A More Complete Beast, 
And by the way, for anybody listening, uh, Rugged Legacy Podcast, uh, I, I interviewed Jack Donovan. And so you guys might want to check that out. But virtue comes from virtus, which is his Greek origin. And that literally means manliness. And you have people who go way out of their way to shit on manliness and what manliness is to be something negative, which is where you have that horse shit toxic masculinity come in. And they're not happy people. Like you said, they're miserable people. They hate their life because they're living a lie. They're trying to be something that they think everybody else is going to accept. You know, it's like when you fall in with the shitty crowd, you don't really agree that you should beat up that hobo, but everybody else is doing it. So let's go beat up a hobo and you feel like shit, but you're accepted by the crowd yet internally you just feel like a piece of shit. Well, that's because you are a piece of shit for not living true to your nature. Cause I don't give a shit who you are. You can say you, uh, you're a man, but you want to be a woman. You want to be, you know, uh, a cat or whatever the fuck you're not you can do that all you want to. And this is not some transphobic rant or trans species or trans racist, whatever the fuck it is. You know, if I see someone who is a transvestite getting dogged on and beat the shit out of by people who are, you know, quote unquote, cis normative or whatever, I'm going to fuck those guys up because I'm not going to let them pick on someone. You know, I'm not going to let someone beat the shit out of or bully a gay guy or a gay woman or someone who is, you know, gender underhanded or whatever the fuck it is. I'm not going to let that happen because it's wrong. But these people who are trying to live a life that's outside of nature, they're not happy because they're going against the grain and they're being rejected by everything. They're being rejected by themselves because they're trying to be something that is not nature and nature gets the last bat. You know, people wonder why men are quick and prone to competitiveness and violence. It's our nature. And you see guys who suppress that nature and they suppress competitiveness and they come and they suppress their, you know, violence and they do it for so long. And then you have a fucking school shooter or a mass shooter at a shopping mall because it's just boiled up so much and it was never fostered and developed into something that could be productive. And that's why you have the highest suicide rate out of people who are transgenders. It's because they're suppressing natural urges and natural tendencies because they've been told so many times that you are whatever you want to be. And no, no, you are what you are. And you know what? You don't have to be this hyper masculine man. If you're a man with, some slightly feminine tendencies or even major feminine tendencies. That's fine. You know, masculinity is just, it, it doesn't come natural to every male. It's just like playing the piano. You know, your wife's a pianist. She just wasn't, she didn't walk out of the fucking womb, you know, playing chopping, you know, it was something that had to be fostered and developed and grown. It's, it's because there's masculinity is not a necessity anymore in this society. You don't need to be strong. I mean, even if you never buy a gun, if you never hunt, if you never lift weights, if you never try to improve yourself, there's a 99% chance that you're going to be just fucking fine because everything is spoon fed to you now anyway. But 
that doesn't mean for you to shit on the ones who are choosing to be strong, who are choosing to be self-reliant, who are choosing you know, to improve upon themselves and be masculine because it, masculinity is a vocation of men. It's not something that they're born with. It's something that in the past, when you had to worry about Genghis Khan riding in and fucking all your women and stealing your kids and killing you, masculinity was a requirement or you were not going to exist. But now it's a choice. And because choosing strength is frowned upon now, that's why you're seeing more and more people starting to buck against it. You know, they're starting to really buck against, well, no, fuck you. I'm a man. I could be a man if I want. And if you don't like it, fine. Don't be a fucking man. Do, am I going to have a slightly lower opinion of you because you're a male who doesn't want to be a man? Maybe, but that's not your fucking concern because my opinion doesn't mean shit to you, but no one gets past that. Well, no, 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 no. We, you have to be, uh, inclusive and tolerant. No, 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 the fuck you don't. You just, you, people are going to like in high school, you're going to click up. Well, click the fuck up with people who are like-minded and fuck everybody else. They're, the other click doesn't matter. You are trying to change that other click to agree with you and make your click bitter. All it's going to do is cause it to split later on into splinter factions and you're going to have a fucking war on your hands like we have now. You know, <laughs> there are paradigms in this life and you're in one of them and then there's some turbulence at the edges and then you're in another one it's like a sudden coalescence it's a sudden emergence of a new level and and that comes into play with orders of magnitude orders of magnitude and intelligence and aggressiveness and strength you know the guy who can deadlift a thousand pounds if you can deadlift 500 pounds you still look at a guy like that and you're like, man, that's, it's like a whole, it's like a different species. You can, it's, it's very obvious. It's visceral. You know, you, you look at half Thor Bjornsson and you go, well, that's a, he's literally a giant. He's almost seven feet tall and he weighs 400 something pounds and he deadlifts 1100 pounds. Okay. I'm not that. And I could train my whole life and be super just exactly where I need to be to be maximal in my, but I'm not six foot nine. I'm not going to be 400 something pounds. That's just not, that's not my reality. And people sometimes forget it's that way with the mind too. And on a bunch of different levels. And it's that way with emotions too. And on a bunch of different levels. And there, are, the thing about it is that sometimes there are people who, are an order of magnitude or two higher in intelligence and in size and in aggressiveness. And people like that who are smart enough to realize that they're also likely to be a problem because of their strength and their aggressiveness. A lot of times they hold themselves in reserve, but there's this feeling that people get when they're around somebody who is powerful within themselves and if you are a person who is powerful within themselves or you're humble enough to realize that you want to be there, but you're not there yet as a young person, say, the feeling that you get when you're around somebody is respect. 
when you're around somebody like that, who just is a force unto themselves, you go, that's a person I want to know or to learn something from or to connect with because that's a person who can make things happen and I can just feel it. They're undeniable, their presence. But if you're not a person who wants to take responsibility for themselves to become like that, to become an undeniable force, when you're around somebody who is an undeniable force, it causes you to become very uncomfortable and you rebel against that discomfort because you don't like the fact that just this person's very presence makes you feel like you haven't done enough with your life. It's, it's very uncomfortable. And I've been on both sides of this thing because when I was a young man, I, I fought as hard as I could against taking responsibility for things. And, and I learned that's not the road to go down. And, and I became radically the other way. And I think that's why I have uh, an advantage on thinking about these things compared to a lot of people because I've got a sharp mind and I decided to be a bitch for a long time and then I decided not to extremely and to take responsibility for everything in my life, even the things I didn't cause because I had no other real choice if I wanted to live within this reality. And that's something that I think is important to understand about people is there are orders of magnitude, there are paradigms, and sometimes you're not going to reach a paradigm. And when people... You know, the monkey or the ape analogy works really good because it's like, well, if you're a little skinny, weenie, beta monkey and you're throwing shit at the super chimp and the super chimp sitting back, he's just like, look, we're not the same and that's fine, but I just want you to leave me to do my thing. I want to be over here doing the things that I do and you're not even going to understand what it is that I'm doing because you're not on the level. But if you keep throwing shit at me, there are going to be consequences because I'm three orders of magnitude more violent than you when I get called to violence. And if you keep throwing shit at me, I'm going to drown you in shit. I'm going to hold your head under the shit until you can't breathe anymore and you're dead. And then I'm going to tear your limbs off and throw you into the jungle. And I think that is sort of, I, it, it, I, I think about these things and I feel sad and I can't deny that. I can't deny that I feel sad about it, but I, align myself with reality. And the reality is, you know, you talked about the school shooter who's been suppressing violence. Yeah. Okay. But what about if it's the super athlete who's been suppressing his violence and suddenly all the dweebs keep throwing shit at the super athlete and keep throwing shit at the super genius, keep throwing shit at the super violent guy. Who's just like, I'm trying not to do this. I'm trying not to give into this part of my nature. Cause I'm trying to live in this society. I have to be a part of this. And then that society just coalesces around them and pressures them and pressures them and pressures them. Dude, dynamite explodes. You put a flame to the fuse and it explodes. And people wonder, well, how could this person explode? Well, because you forced them into it by throwing shit at them over and over and over. And the temperance and the forbearance that they showed because they knew all along they knew all along that this was going to happen and that you were not going to be prepared for the level of intensity that they brought to the fight. But when they showed up, you never had a chance to think about it because it was lights out for you. And there's a lot of men who are like me or more orders of magnitude, more intelligent or aggressive or violent or strong than me even but we all feel like Rorschach right now. It's like the thing none of you seem to realize is I'm not locked in here with you. It's like, dude, you're, I'm not locked in here with you. I'm not. 
we're on this planet, but you're locked in here with me. I'm the force and you know that. That's why you're trying to tear me down. But what happens when I unleash that force? And this whole ideology is like a cyclone. It's like a tornado. It's like a hurricane. What happens when a storm like that rips across? Only the strongest survive. Only the things most rooted to the ground survive. Everything else gets destroyed and blown away. And this idea that the biology is bad, that reality is wrong, that billions of years of evolution uh, is the problem, and maybe just your weakness is not, that shit ain't going to last. And because of the intensity of the pressure that people who have signed on to that ideology are putting on everybody else, there's going to be a lot of Rorschachs happening, I feel like. And it makes me sad to think that that's where we've gotten to and we've gotten to it in my lifetime and that I have kids right now and they're going to have to see this world as it is. I talk to my kids even now, you know, they see the things happen in the world. They talk about coronavirus. They talk about like, why, why did that guy shoot a guy in Provo, Utah? Cause I live in Utah and that kind of shit never used to happen except for in the gang banging neighborhoods of, you know, wherever. But, I guess my point is there's an impending conflagration and all the sticks of dynamite are just like trying to roll out of the way of the sparks, but they're not going to miss us. And then what? And then what? And you guys like you, Jeff, know the answer to that. I know the answer to that. I was raised by a man who knows the answer to that. There are a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, men and women, who know the answer to that. And we're all sort of just like hoping that it doesn't come to that. But the more conversations I have, the more people who are saying, well, I'm about at my limit. I'm going to do what I have to do to stop this from progressing any further. I'm not cool with communism. I'm not cool with this totalitarian collectivism. I'm not cool with the idea that you can shut down my life and you can come after me and my home and my job because we have a different opinion. Well, I do have a different opinion than you. And if you want to try to kill me, I'm going to kill you first because that's, I'm better at that than you. And I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically here, but I, but I'm not, it's gotten to that point. And I guess I'm just, I wonder, Jeff, do you feel like we're too far gone to not see that world in our immediate future? I don't, I don't think so at all. Um, the caveat to all of that, you know, you've got the little weenie, you know, chimp throwing shit at the ape, you know, the big gorilla. That doesn't have to be how it is. If the little weenie chimp works with the big ape, then everybody's in harmony. You know, the little chimp doesn't have to tear down the big ape to make him non-existent or weaker because the big ape doesn't give a shit that the little chimp is weaker. He's just like, okay, bro, I got you anyway. Do, do you, you know, if, people stopped trying to tear down successful people and stopped trying to tear down strong and resilient and self-reliant people 
and realize that <clears throat> these are the kind of people that you want on your side. And these are the kind of people that if shit goes down, if the storm blows through and they are the strongest route, if they are the best built building, you can take shelter in there and you'll come out the other end and you won't get blown away with all the other shit. And so I, I think there's hope for that kind of thing to happen, but it's going to take, it's going to take people to drop the, the black and white viewpoint of things. It's going to take people to drop the intersectionality uh, point of views that they have. How do you think that people like you and I could influence things in that direction? I mean, the way you and I interact now, you know, with other people. Okay, you like, you know, doing makeup or you like, you know, that's a shitty example. <laughs> you're, you're not like me. I don't care if you're not like me. I'm yeah. going to click up with people who are like me, but it, believe me, it's not our goal to shit on people who are not like us. It's our goal to boost people like us up. And if you realize that we're not out to get you and we're not trying to eliminate you because you're not like us, maybe you'll stop trying to eliminate us. And maybe if you stop trying to eliminate us, there won't be this goddamn fight and you can just chill and realize that we're not like you. You're not like us, but we don't give a shit if you're not like us. So you need to stop giving a shit that we're not like you. Hmm. Yeah. You know, there have been there have been several examples that I've experienced on my my own. One of the most recent comes to mind. I I had somebody on Twitter that was uh, sort of interacted with some people that I'm friendly with, and uh, they said something or tweeted something at me. I was just like fuck you, block bye. Uh, but if, if somebody that I follow retweets something from somebody I blocked, I usually open it up just to see. It's like, well, maybe I've made a mistake here or maybe, you know. And I, I unblocked this person because I thought, well, here's some good thoughts and maybe I was just uh, being reactionary. And this person DM'd me a while later and they said, hey, man, um, I appreciate you unblocking me. And um, I realize now after seeing some of your content and listening to some of your podcasts that you really care about what you're doing and you care about people. And um, I'm sorry for saying something about you when I really didn't understand who you were. And of course you were going to react like that to some stranger talking shit. And I just wrote back. Absolutely. And I'm glad that I'm glad we were able to have this. And I've, I've had enough of those experiences to know it's possible, but I've also um, had enough, exchanges with people who that's never going to happen with ever no matter how much work i put in that um i i guess i i'm not so sure that that there's not gonna that we could slow the momentum enough to stop the storm and, and i like what you said about sort of uh, being the storm shelter the strongest built building can be the shelter for other people, but there's only so much room under a well-built building. The buildings only get so big, you know, and 
So I guess I'm, as I'm processing through what she said and I'm thinking about what I think about it, um, I guess I still feel like regardless of how strong the building is built, the storm is there. It's, you know, it's kind of, it's starting to whip around and it's, it's just sitting right off the coast. And, um, I don't know, man, do you, do you disagree with me? You feel like there's still a way to shift that storm away from land? You can't shift the storm. The storm's coming regardless, but, and I'll say this before we, uh, you know, come up on that mark. There's going to be people who just refuse to go inside the building. You can't help those people. There's going to be the ones that you can't permit inside the building because they're a hazard to others. And it is what it is. At the end of the day, you just help and lift up who you can. You you can't rescue someone who doesn't want to be rescued. You can't save someone from drowning who vehemently tells you, I've got this. Okay. You know, don't, don't beat yourself over the head trying to save the ones you can't, the ones who are willing to be saved or the ones who are willing to, you know, put down their swords and say, all right, let's work together. Work with those because the other ones you're just going to waste precious time and energy on. Another thing you said, and I always tell people this too. It's like, look, I'm not, if you're not hurting me, I don't, I don't really care what you do unless you're trying to force something you want to be, look, you want to, you want to cut off your pee pee and dance around in a dress. Okay. But if you, if you'd like try to talk my kids into doing that, I'm going to have serious issues. Or if you try to make me feel bad because I still have my pee pee, we're going to have issues. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's so many things out there like that right now. But I guess in the long term, I take the view as like, well, you like aborting your kids? Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't like that. But there are reasons I would kill somebody. I guess yours are a little different than mine, but you're kind of taking care of the problem. We tend to be a, a lot influenced by our biology. And since you hate your biology, clearly, I guess that's sort of going to sort itself out. It's like, well, you want to like cut off your pee-pee? I guess that's going to take care of the problem in a generation. There's a lot of this stuff. It's like, oh, you hate life. Well, there's, it's kind of okay. But I just don't want you to try to take mine away in the process, man. If you're sad and you have an incurable sadness because you're three generations deep in processed food and processed culture, I'm sorry for you, but I love my life. It's awesome. I, dude, I live in the, I live in a mountain valley and I have a family who loves me. And I, so, I'm sorry that you don't have something that gives purpose to your life, but I guess that's going to sort itself out pretty quick. And I, I'm, I'm got strong roots in Utah. I got strong roots with my family. I got strong roots here in these mountains. And guess what? We don't get hurricanes in the mountains. The mountains shut that shit down. They make you tough. They make you hard. And we got people here, the Desnats, <laughs> Deseret Nationalists. It's like, well. <laughs> when this all falls apart we're going back to a mormon theocracy i can't wait <laughs> i'm like hey cool man you know <laughs> keep it clean okay so look look man before i keep rambling on we've been sort of hammering on this theme 
a little bit. And I guess I just, I'd like to give you a chance before we um, wrap up the conversation. What, what would you like the takeaway from you to the audience to be for the day, to be from this conversation? What do you hope they understand after this conversation's complete? Uh, I think one of the favorite things I ever read uh, in The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday was about uh, two circles. Uh, there is a circle of things that matter, and there's a circle of things that you can control. The only place you should be focusing your energy are, are where those two circles intersect. If they do matter and you can control them. If you can't control them, you focus your energy on it, it's not going to fucking pan out. Just like those, and the, the things you can't control are the ones who refuse to come inside the building during the storm. Okay, whatever happens to you is on you. Uh, the things that don't matter are the ones who, you know, try to come at you because you've decided to go in the building. I mean, after the storm's over, you're not going to matter anyway. So it is what it is. Focus your energy on the things that you can control. But there's some things that you can control that don't really matter all that much. So it's just wasted energy. <laughs> you know, and just focus on where those two circles intersect and you'll be just fine. I like it, man. Um, well, look, this is our third podcast conversation. There's a level of familiarity between us now that just uh, kind of makes these rambling conversations easy. But I appreciate you taking the time to appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk to me and talk to the audience and uh, appreciate uh, your vantage point on things. And um, so, thank you very much for coming back on the Logos and Trivial Podcast, Jeff. I appreciate you having me on, brother. Hell yeah. Well, if you're good, I'm good. I'm good. In that case, this has been the Logos and Trivial Podcast. I've been Chance Lunsford. He's been Jeff Putnam. And this has all been allegedly, and we're out. <laughs>